Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 119 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, last week we talked about having great expectations of others. Now we turn the table on ourselves. We're going to talk about self-expectations in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to episode 119 now of the Reinventure Me Podcast. I'm your co-host, Larry Gates, and I'm with Armin Asadi. And we are bringing you the podcast for what's next in life to explore the new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, the ventures you were made to pursue. This is episode 119, meaning our show can be found at reinventure.me slash 119. And we are here to take up the episode about great expectations. Last week, we talked about great expectations for others, and this week, we turn the tables. That's right. To ourselves. <laughs> and the drama ensues. Yes. We go into that deep dive. But before we get there, let's get some inspiration. So I'm curious why you picked this, but I'll just re- <laughs> I'll read this verse that Larry picked for Inspire Me. It's Psalm 5.3. It says, In the morning, O Lord... You hear my voice in the morning. I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Yes. Go on. I love that verse. Why? Well, I like it because it says expectations are okay. Okay. You know, I mean, when we talked last week about setting expectations for others, and uh, we commented about the wealth of proverbial wisdom in our world about not having any expectations at all. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. if you want to survive life, the worst thing you can do is actually expect something of others. Right. And, of course, we were trying to postulate that there's probably a healthier way to think about setting expectations. Yeah. And yet our culture seems to say live self-reliantly and all that on your own. Sure. And so what I like about this is that, you know, we also talked about how we set great expectations when we either have control or we have trust. Right. right? And this is basically saying, well, you don't have control here, but you have a tremendous amount of trust. Hmm. And so we can trust in God to provide the great expectation. In other words, there are many things in our lives that we cannot control. There are many things that fall in this area of desire that we have no control over, but we can put them before God and we can wait in expectation because the one we trust has control over those things. And it isn't to say we have no expectation at all, which is like we were talking about our culture would have us say the way to survive is to not expect anything of anybody else except for yourself. That's just 
So it's twisted. It, yeah, it just makes me kind of suicidal. Well, it, but it's 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 twisted not only in that it's bad in terms of thinking about yourself, but the implication is is that the only person you really can rely on is yourself. And I think we're going to prove in this episode that's not very reliable either. <laughs> that's true. You're probably the least reliable person, <laughs> right? You, there's no one in your life that breaks breaks more of your expectations than you. Yes. <laughs> so on the scale, right. You should probably put your trust in others before yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding, bad advice. <laughs> well, that's just the whole point, right? And so that's the funny thing about it. Let me start with this, Armin. Okay. Let me ask you this question. <clears throat> On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate how happy you are with yourself? Honest answer? Yes, of course. It's typically not very high. Uh-huh. Um, and the times that it is high, it's because I've done something like the night before, I, I did my five-minute journal. Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you accomplished something, and you felt good. You got that dopamine burst to make you feel good. Yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be I did something good, but it's like I did a gratitude practice, right? Oh, That's basically yeah, sure. what like the five-minute journal sure. is, where I took my mentality off the things that didn't work and on the things that did work. But how rarely I do that is stupid. I should do it every night, but I don't. So a majority of the time, I would, I'd hover around four or five. Where would you put yourself right now? Four or five. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so a little bit in there. So when was the last time you rated yourself as a 10? Oh, pfft. I've never. No, ever. Hey, well, I can say the same thing. Yeah, ever. I've never rated myself as a 10. And I'm asking you as a listener, have you ever rated yourself a 10 in terms of how satisfied you are with yourself? Which tells you, I'm not advocating that we should be yeah. a, a 10 in terms of self-satisfied. What I am advocating, though, is that we always have disappointing expectations of ourselves. And just by that very simple exercise, yeah. you know, it's never there. Now, the fact that you rated yourself a four or five, I'll bet you, you know, intuitively what you might be able to do to get that to a five or a six. Yep. Right. Just oh, totally. One little level. Yeah. Right. And, and that's good because that's part of how we then improve. So here's the thing. Truth is, is that we often really don't evaluate the expectations we have of ourselves. Right. We're so caught up in how other people have disappointed us. Mm -hmm. And we may be disappointed with ourselves, but we don't really sit to evaluate what is creating that. What does it mean for me to be able to increase the expectation that I have myself in a healthy way? In other words, to set a great expectation, not one that condemns us, not one that is overly confident but one that is accurately aligned with where we're at. And that's what we need to talk about today. Right. And one of the things that is important to know is that I don't know what it has been, but in the last five, 10 years, there's been more happiness research than I've ever seen in oh, my yeah. life. Have yeah. you noticed oh, that? Oh, yeah. A lot of happiness research. I mean, everybody and their mom and their sister-in-law is talking about happiness at this point. Well, they've been in inspired by Bob Marley. You know, don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> be happy. Yeah. That was a terrible Jamaican accent. I just did. I don't know what Boom. that was. That was Russian, I think. <laughs> so now we got that song started for everybody else. Last week, we had the other song. Yeah, I'm not going to even bring it up. <laughs> this week, we don't have, we have Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> but one of the things that they talk about in terms of unhappiness is they say that we're unhappy when our expectations of reality exceed our experiences of reality. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. In other words, what we experience is not what we expect. Right. Yep. 
And and they say that's one of the key things to people's very common unhappiness. And then they weigh that on scales and saying, should we be happier than ever before? Because economically, we're better. Technologically, we're better. Communication-wise, we're better. We have access to more, blah, 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 blah. But we're unhappier than we've ever been before. And one of the things they've realized is, is there's this expectation gap that is one of the biggest key components to unhappiness it's expectations that we have of ourselves. Yes. How crazy is that? Yeah. Well, we, it's called self-destruction in some ways. It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, I was doing a little repair on my front porch and I pulled away the railing because I wanted to replace it. And I discovered behind it, the ants had eaten away at the wood or the termites had eaten away at the wood. And in some ways it is like that internally. If we don't pay attention to some of those, well, ant is a good word because, you know, in one of our episodes, I call them the automatic negative thought that we have. If we're not careful with that ant, that automatic negative thought, it's going to eat away at the wood fabric of our own building as well, to use that metaphor. And, and then it will leave us unhappy. Right? Yeah. So true. So, okay, let's start with the question, what is self-expectation? What does that look like? Maybe just recapping for last week's episode for those listeners that may not have caught it, but we talked about how expectations are related to control or trust. And that's part of what we talked about just a moment ago with respect to that verse. And when we talk about expectations, then it's really the, the degree of expectations, the degree really in which we trust ourselves or feel like we have self-control or Mm self-autonomy. And if we feel like our life is out of balance. Our life is is in such a way that I don't have options. I don't have autonomy or I don't trust that what I'm going to want to do that I will follow through and do it. Mm-hmm. Then we'll score ourselves low. We'll, right. we'll say, hey, I'm, you know, my expectations are not able to meet as it should. And the question really is how well do we set ourselves? You know, the other day when I was journaling, I, I had come up with this great idea and I'm not even going to share what it is because I don't trust myself yet to do it. And <laughs> that's the key. You see, I realized that here's a great idea that I wrote down and something that I'd really like to do. But at the, the moment I wrote it, I became aware because I was journaling and I was in this self-reflective mode. I mean, I, I became aware of how much I distrusted myself to do it. I said, Oh, Sure. Yeah, you think that's a good goal right now. I'm even writing this, Armin. Oh, sure, you think that's a good goal right now, but just wait because you won't actually act on it. You you actually I'm writing this to myself. Yes. I'm I'm actually (laughs) I'm actually being rather harsh about it, you know, and I challenge my own intentionality to do it. And you remember when we did that episode back uh, 114 where we talked about trust, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about there's three stages you have to go through to regain trust. You go through the sincerity stage. When somebody breaks your trust, are they really sincere about their apology? We asked about the ability stage. Are they really able to overcome the problem that they had? And and then the durability stage, do they continue on with it? Well, those same three stages persist Mm -hmm. with respect to your own trust in yourself. So when I set a goal, for instance, I have to go through those three stages. I say, okay, well, do I have the ability to make this goal happen? And then I ask myself, well, no, first of all, I ask myself, do I really believe that this is the goal that I want to achieve? Right. right? And then I say, yeah, I I really want to do this. Then I ask myself, well, do I really have the ability to do it? And usually on both of those, I will come down. Yes. And then the third one is the one usually for me, where I'm self-critical, where I go, well, do I have the durability to stick with it? Hmm. 
you know, especially if another goal comes up that attracts my attention, you know, I start to flirt with girls, flirt with goals, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the same thing, you know, it's like, oh, there's another pretty goal I'm going to go after and I go after that one instead, right? (laughs) So we're talking about goals, not girls. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just to clarify. No, no, that's the point. That's the point, though. It it, it is a bit like you're being promiscuous with your goal. (laughs) No, it's totally okay because that's what it's about. And when when I do that to myself and I find that I don't end up trusting myself, Mm. and so my own expectation of what I'm able to do gets diminished as a result. So I would score myself lower there. All right. So you're already kind of getting there. So I'm going to still ask the question, how does this actually affect us then? Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, you're, you're right. I'm already digesting all of my internal (laughs) stuff about this, but I think there's, there's kind of two unhealthy views. I mean, that we can have of ourselves or unhealthy views of the expectations we could have of ourselves. One is we could treat ourselves harshly, right? And that is that we never earn the self-respect that we want. No matter how hard we try, we never are satisfied that we're able to live up to what we think we ought to live up to. Right. It's like we're our own worst enemy or, you know, are we a taskmaster right. for ourselves. The other is that we're pampered, you know, so either harsh or we pamper ourselves. And in the pampering, you know, we, th- we think we deserve more than we're currently receiving. We want to be accommodated. And it's and, not based on anything. It's just no. It's entitlement. Entitlement. Right, right. Yeah. It's well. It's based on my good looks or my charm right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I talked to the guy in the mirror and he agreed. That exactly. I deserve. <laughs> and these drive us differently. Of course, the first when we think of ourselves harshly, it's to push ourselves, and because we want to overcome some perceived deficit. Right. I can never do enough or be enough. And the key here is that I think well, I must stay appealing to myself. In other words, I, I've got to keep doing this in order for me to feel good about myself, that I've got something of value to offer. And that's a, that's a drive. That's a heavy drive. The other is a different kind of drive, and that is when we're feeling pampered, we push others to meet a perceived need. And you remember that movie, What About Bob? Sure do. Yeah. So there's a scene in there where he keeps saying, I need, I need, I need, right? <laughs> yep. And and so that's that's what we're like when we're in this pampered mode. We want to remain appealing to others. Right. And the charismatic leader, those who who feel that they need to put themselves out and be perceived in such a way that they measure themselves by the people they attract to them. Sure. So it's the size of the following. It's the degree to which they can get people to be attracted to them as a person is how they judge themselves as to whether they are meeting their own self-expectation. That's true. So those are the kind of drives that we have, and they play off. And sometimes it may not be that you're one or the other. You might cycle between them. You might be harsh about yourself critically, internally, sure. and then you might also cycle to, to wanting to be pampered. You know, So you go to this other extreme where you now want people to be drawn to you. Right, depending on the category of life that you're examining. Yeah, it could be. Yep. Right, yeah, yep. Right. Yep. Professionally, you're always unsatisfied. In your marriage, you could be doing a lot less than you should be, but you think I'm doing a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was there that one day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was present. Yep. All right. So the next question is then, how do we know if we have great self-expectations? Because for me, I feel like I have great self-expectations, and then I analyze them, and I realize I have, well, they're not great. They're unrealistic. They're way overboard. I just can't live up to my own expectations. And usually the expectations we have of ourselves are so much greater than those that we have of others. I think that's actually a line from Finding Forrester. I think Sean Connery actually said that line. 
Why is it that the expectations we have for ourselves are so much greater than those we have for others? I think that was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Winnie the Pooh. Okay, well, I've never... I had, the one thing I could say or mean is I've never had an expectation to go into a career as an impersonator. So, so that's, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> or an undercover agent that travels around. <laughs> or an under, undercover agent. Well, you know, when we did our last episode, Armina, a week ago, and we talked about... The questions we can ask for others, uh, these are similar in terms of the kinds of questions we can ask for ourselves. And so, first of all, look for things that didn't go as you'd quite planned or hoped. You know, And so then the question is, when things are not going quite as you had hoped, when there's a disappointment in something that you've done for yourself, discern what you're able to control out of that. And we've talked a long time ago about Larry Crabb's cardinal principle of mental health, which I love. He says, take responsibility only for those things that you can control. Mm, Everything else are desires. Right. You know, goals are the things you control. Desires are the things that you can't control. Right. And so take responsibility for goals and you pray for desires, which is Mm -hmm. why we led with that verse, which is a great verse to lead with. That gives us good mental health. And so when we look at things that we were disappointed in, things that maybe we set as a goal or objective and we didn't meet it. You know, I was like, I wanted to get that done. I had that monthly objective and it didn't get done this month. Yeah. And I know, well, it didn't get done the month prior to that when I had it. It didn't get done the month prior. And, and it's like, okay, so at what point in time do you describe how do you see that? In other words, how do you look at that goal and what was it you were able to control? Now, if you could have controlled all of it, then you're asking yourself, all right, what did I learn from it? Right. So put your context of being a learner in rather than beating up yourself saying, oh, I'm no good at it or not trusting yourself with it, but to say, what can I learn from it? Which is something really good that I'm glad that you're pointing out with this question is, am I able to look at this as a learner? This is something that we talked about a long time ago when we were talking about Dr. Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Yep. So in this book, she talks about two things. She talks about this concept of mindset being fixed mindset versus growth mindset and fixed mindset being this idea that someone has that all their intelligence and their abilities are fixed traits while a growth mindset individual is someone who believes that their intelligence, their abilities are all qualities that can be developed over time, right? Mm -hmm. And asking something as simple of a question as Larry is posing here is, am I able to look at this as a learner is literally forcing you to be able to ask yourself, what kind of mindset do I have and how do I actually process life? Do I have a fixed mindset that says, nope, I, I, I am what I am and I can't change it? Or am I a learner, someone who has a growth mindset that says, even though I didn't accomplish this now, even though I'm not intelligent enough now or strong enough now, but it becomes a thing that you just add a word to it that says, I'm not smart enough yet, strong enough yet, capable enough yet, but I will. Yeah, that's the, good. The mission stays. And it's the difference between saying, I'm no good at this or I'm learning to get better at this. Right. And that's just the key point. So when you're when you assess the thing that didn't go well, look at, first of all, what were you able to take responsibility for? And when you look at those things and you say, all right, it didn't go well, I had responsibility for it, what can I learn from that? What can I adjust? What can I change? Because right. if you don't make some learning from it, then there's no point in having it's wasted right. education yeah and <laughs> hindsight being 2020 this is something that if, if if there is a way that you can put that hindsight into perspective every week that's i think a great way to keep your expectations as realistic as possible at least for me and i have to every friday come in and i have my 
three or four questions that I look through and I ask myself and I look back and say, where did I fail? Where could I do better? I always, well, I always start with the positive and then go down. Right. But at the end of the day, I, if I'm not doing this every week, I feel like my expectations can keep getting worse or more unrealistic or I can keep beating myself up. But yep. I, if I'm doing it every week, I think I can keep a hint of reality in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's an interesting question for you, Armin. Sure. So we look at the times when we didn't make the objective that we wanted to, and, and we have a yeah. lowered expectation. We didn't make our own expectation, right? So now ask yourself, when you then take a look at that, how does that make you respond? Do you then want to set out and increase your effort to make up for lost ground? In other words, does the next thing that you try to do have to be extraordinarily successful because the last one wasn't? Mm. Right. So maybe you've missed a birthday celebration with your wife, you know, you just kind of blew it. Right. Yeah. Do you then say, well, this next birthday, I have to really make it up for it because I'm making up for lost ground. Right. Yeah. And it's that same kind of thing that sometimes, and I've seen this in entrepreneurs, right. They may have had a failed business, but that failed business now becomes part of their self identity. And now they feel like, oh, they spent four or five years in something that didn't work. Yeah. The next thing they do needs to even be more successful than it necessarily would have been because it's got to make up for the four or five years that they didn't have a successful sure. outcome. And we do this in a lot of ways. We set an unrealistic expectation for ourselves because we're trying to make up for a failure in the past. And that's a good way to assess is the expectation you have for yourself healthy. If you're adding to it to cover over a sin in the past, then your future expectation probably isn't as healthy as it could be. Right. So, I mean, it's a little bit like we get into <laughs> a doghouse duty, right? We, we want to do something in order to get ourselves out of the doghouse. So we, we spend more, our expectations increase more on a future thing that we would do because we're trying to make up some ground, trying to get out of the doghouse. And we may have put ourselves in the doghouse. Maybe we were put in by someone else if we missed a birthday, you know, but (laughs) in the case of when we missed our own goals, we miss our own goals. We sometimes ratchet up the expectations because we like put ourselves in this doghouse. Now we have to do doghouse duty, which only accelerates the degree to which we might experience failure. Right. Because we're not willing to set ourselves healthy expectations even for the future stuff because we're carrying this big tail of the past with us. So that's one thing that we have to be on guard for. So how do, how do we honestly judge our ability to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves then? Yeah, that's, the, that's a good question because that's the one that we, we need to look at. And we want to think about what is the internal dialogue that we have when we create a goal. Right. And, and so as I'm writing, like I said, I was writing this goal. I thought I was good. I wrote my dialogue about it right afterwards. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, I had to understand what it was and I have to understand what it is, what that internal dialogue is when I miss a goal and really understand where am I going awry there. And that it comes back to taking responsibility for the things I can control Because what ends up happening when we set those expectations for ourselves is that emotions get in the way. We color our view of ourself based on our perceptions and our emotions about what's happened to us in the past. And we don't then take an objective look and say, well, I can actually do this and here's how I can do it. And that's why planning is so important. If you want to achieve a goal, you have to actually write a plan. Because when you do the plan, it gets it out of this emotional 
area and gets it into something that you can actually see, oh, there's a way of actually doing this. I can make it happen. Or you can adjust the plan when you know that, oh, this is an unrealistic goal that I have. But oftentimes we take these goals on ourselves, we, we try to do something, and we haven't really thought it through. We've emoted it, sure. and we feel that we ought to do it out of emotion or obligation or a sense of recovery, like right. I was talking about getting out of the doghouse. But we haven't really looked at what's the internal dialogue that it takes to get there. That obligation piece really sticks out to me because it's, it's funny how often we feel obligated to something that just really isn't an obligation. Oh, absolutely. It, we won't internal. give up on See, our culture is also filled with this persistence value, right. which you judge the rightness of something based on how long you've persisted to make it happen. Sure. And sometimes the best course of action is actually not to keep doing it. Right. Or or the other side of it is a, it's a perception thing, right? Because if I didn't if I didn't follow through with it in a way that I expected or told everyone that I would and it failed, now I have to live under the impression that I am a failure. So you keep going at it, but why? 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 You, you, the only day or time that you become a failure is when you accept that you are. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Oh, but the whole thing is, is that again, is a fixed mindset kind of thinking because sure. it, it's something you failed in. It isn't something that characterizes you as a person right. as, a, as a total abject failure. That totally. as if that one area is somehow going to define all of who you are. Right. But we, we, we look at it you, as if it's yeah, right. You, yeah. You, have a, you have a bankruptcy, you have a divorce, you have a business failure, you have whatever, and suddenly you've been reduced to amoeba. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't even, right. you don't even deserve to be called human. You know, right. some, but that's the perception that sometimes we have of ourselves, is yeah. that somehow it affects everything about us. So this, this might be a sidetrack, but I want to throw this in here. Yeah. One of the things that I've realized that's created such an issue with our expectations is actually technology. I know we talked about that in the mm-hmm. beginning, and I know you you kind of sparked up a little bit when we were talking about it. But if you think... That's technology. I'm going to spark up about it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, how much airbrushing do you see on a magazine? Right? Well, how, we'd never know. The uh, world will never know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Except there's all sorts of videos that show it now, Oh, uh, right? sure. And then think about the vacation spots that you fantasize about, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, it's the pristine island with the pristine sand. There's no footprints in this crystal blue water. It never pr- rains on those covers. It never rains, right? There's no one on the beach except these, <laughs> this perfect model on the right and this perfect model on the left, right? And there's no garbage. It's not loud. It looks quiet, right? right? But then you look at yourself in the mirror and you think the expectation I have of myself is that what I saw in that magazine, it doesn't align and I'm unhappy. I I look at this picture of this vacation spot on Google or wherever I researched it and I go there and I have drunk college people everywhere. There's broken bottles and there's... The sand does not look pristine. It doesn't pristine, look, like, it doesn't look really, like the brochure. Yeah, you know, yeah. and the water is not that blue. But we have these expectations that are so beautifully pictured on these places that we look into them, right? Or we think about them. And those the, the way that we imagine ourselves, our outcomes, our vacations, our bodies, our whatever create these completely unrealistic expectations that every time we face the reality of them, that it makes it impossible for us to look at it and think, I have it good, or I have what I wanted to achieve, or I can be happy or content with what I have in front of me in, in my life. And I think that's one of the biggest issues I, I, I've always dealt with in myself, is that all my expectations are unrealistic. 
you've pulled on a thread that I just feel compelled to go there. I, I find that there's so much conversation about success mm-hmm. and what success looks like. And I find that most of it is just nothing but symbolic accoutrements of what well said. other people think you that person has it together. Mm-hmm. So we look for the symbolic images that say this person has their life together. And we've talked about this before. I think the very best definition of success is when those who know you the best respect you the most. Mm-hmm. And I can't find a better definition than that. I think it was Ken Geyer who postulated that definition. And those who know you the best respect you the most. And everything else is just trying to layer on this expectation that we have that we're somehow going to prop up. It's back to that being the harsh taskmaster or the, sure. or the pamperer. You know, mm-hmm. we try to get people to respond to us right. in that way. And when you look at that definition of respect, to me, that's the core. That's the central thing. When you've got that, then you've got the respect for yourself. Right. That you're going to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. You're going to give yourself the grace when you don't accomplish it. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's setting good, great expectations for yourself. Hmm. I love that. So key question is, what's the right level of expectation to have for yourself? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I think when we set expectations, it's especially when it's around goals and things that you might want to try to achieve and do, uh, I think that you should set it up in such a way that you have slightly more losses than you have wins. Interesting. Why? Well, because... It's a challenge factor? Well, I think only slightly more. Because if you have too many, you don't trust yourself. If you have too many, you know, you push too hard. It's the unrealistic and And you become unrealistic and you get discouraged. But you have too few and you become complacent and arrogant. Right. You know, if you get too many wins, you start to think, well, um, it's, you know, there's nothing but wins when, I, when I'm around. Right. You know? <laughs> I deserve to be a millionaire because I've... Yeah. And, you, and really, frankly, you become less grateful. Sure. Yeah. And so slightly more losses than wins, it keeps you humble. And it also, I think, really motivates you to grow. Mm. And so if you're thinking about your life and you're thinking, what, you know, when I'm out pursuing what I'm trying to pursue, when I look at my goals, do I set my goals up so that I have slightly more losses than I have wins? The key isn't to have every win. I think the key is to stretch yourself enough so you take some risk, you you push yourself a little bit so that you have some losses because where yeah. do you grow the most? Right. It's in the losses. Right. That's where you'll learn the most. You yeah. don't learn the most in the wins. And frankly, if you set yourself up to always win, I think what you're doing is you're you're setting yourself up to be recognized as the winner. Right. And I don't think that that's the healthiest way to set an expectation. That's what uh, I... I don't know why I keep going back to this, but that you defined fixed mindset. Yes. Of care of the way. Yeah, that's it. And versus growth mindset. That's it. All right. So I think we're out of time here. So let's lead this into a challenge before we lead out. Yeah. I thought, let's, why don't we do the same challenge that, that I uh, asked you about? Like, uh, so score, score yourself. yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Score yourself on a, on a scale of one to 10. How happy are you with yourself? And then what would it take to be one point more satisfied? How mm. would you push yourself in a healthy way? to get one point more satisfied with who you are. I like that. I like that a lot. I think I can do that. All right, that's all the time we have. If you uh, enjoyed this episode, make sure you go to reinventure.me forward slash 119 for the show notes. And if you would do us a favor, please go to reinventure.me 
forward slash iTunes. Leave us a review and let us know how we're doing and if we could do anything better, if you have any suggestions. Also, leave us a question or a comment on our show notes, again, at reinvention.me forward slash 119, or give us a call at 612-314-5447. This is Armin Asadi and Larry Gates saying farewell. So long. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 